if you've got things around you that's harming you and you know good and well that they shouldn't be there, command them to die. They have to obey you because the glory of God is behind your voice. So this morning I, uh, I'm going to talk fast and I'm going to lead you down a path and I hope that you can stay with me and connect the dots. All right? But before we go anywhere, there's three words or there's three areas we need to be reminded of. Times past. Don't ever forget this. These are three things you have to keep all the time. Times past, but now ages to come. Those are the divisions that God has placed in His Word. We must pay attention to those divisions. But now is where we are presently in the age of grace the church. Times past is under the law and ages to come is after the resurrection and after the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to be ministering on the Actually, the topic would be the glory of God. Uh, in the past, I've heard some sermons on the glory of God from different people, and I've been so confused that I didn't know what they were talking about, and I didn't know if they did. I don't want to leave you with, I don't want to leave you like that this morning. I want you to understand what I'm saying and, and get a grasp on this because it, I think it's vastly important. So, uh, in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse. We're going to talk, we're going to open this sermon this morning with the seen and the unseen just to give us a grip, an idea, place us in the right place. Okay? The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, says, While we look not at the things which are seen, this is not double talk, this is real. While we look not, and what is seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the importance he's showing here is the things that we don't see. They're here. They're more important than what we see. But if we're not careful, we build our whole lives on what we see, and we never see what we don't see. And it's there for us, but we never see it. This is the whole point. As we look around here this morning, we must pay attention to what we don't see, not what we see. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit has led me into this path for all of us to receive a revelation of the glory of God, involving the completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross for us to change the world. See, the scripture says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Never said a word in there about for God so loved people, did it? Right. He said for God so loved the world. And before we're through here this morning, you'll see our responsibility is because God so loved the world. We're supposed to be changing the world. Okay? It's easy to do once we see how to do it. We think it's labor intensive. But it is, listen very carefully. We see a lot of temporal things, and the Holy Spirit wants us not to be misled because the unseen 
is most important to our lives presently. Not the temporal, but the eternal. God, listen to me, major statement. God can speak your future into your spirit in the blink of an eye. Think on this. God himself can speak your future in your spirit in the blink of an eye. Something that you have never seen. Don't be fooled by what you see. Remember the physical is subject to the spiritual all the time. Our eyes miss what we should see. Our eyes can't see what we need to see. And we put our faith in the physical sight and should be giving the spirit more credit than we do. And put our faith there, of course. It is easier to put our faith in what we see rather than what God says. Only the spirit can see the spirit. Second, uh, First Corinthians. Second chapter, verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And that's all. Most of the time, that's where people stay. But it's the importance of verse 9, 10, and 11. Listen to verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Think this morning. Think. Remember we talked about the mind here in the past, how important the mind is and how the mind is really the driving factor here. You don't think with your spirit, you think with your mind. But your spirit, your, your mind should be renewed to the things in your spirit. Listen. But but God hath revealed them. He's prepared some things for us that we've never seen, heard, or even given any thought to. But the but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. This is where we should be going. We should be going to see what God will reveal to us by his spirit that he's prepared for us. For the spirit searches all the things Yea, the deep things of God. It's spirit to spirit. It's spiritual. We're here this morning in the flesh, but we're actually spiritual. We're spirits here this morning. And this is a spiritual gathering, not a physical one. So listen very carefully. Now I'm going to, I'm going to cast this out this morning so you can grasp it. I hope the whole truth here. You, Adam ate the fruit and was cast out of the garden. And an angel was placed at the entrance to keep him out because of the tree of life. This is about as much uh, as most people know. That's it. They think that's all of it. That's not. There is much, much more there. But there is much, much more that we need to understand and know that took place at this encounter. The major part is the loss of the glory of God. Remember this morning I said we're talking about the glory of God. So the major loss here was the glory of God when Adam disobeyed God and was cast out. He lost the glory of God 
which is very important to us. Psalms 8.1 tells us, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the world, in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens. So here's what happened in a nutshell. God created heavens and earth, made it have a, a fit habitation for humans. He did that first, then he created humans and placed them on the, on the earth. But he placed his glory above the whole scenario. Above all of it was God's glory was placed. Now, it's important that we understand this because it was God's glory that gave Adam the authority to function in the earth. God's glory. Okay, now remember, he lost it. In Romans 8, it tells us uh, the, the glory of God was lost. Okay, but, but don't despair because that's not the end of the story. The completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross returned the glory back to the earth. Let's see what the glory is supposed to function, how it's supposed to function. See, God wants you to know that the glory of God can be seen in the physical realm and needs to be recognized for what it is. It is spiritual, but we've seen it here in this building. But possibly we missed it and did not give God the due respect for his glory. In Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That was Adam's situation in the garden. Here the glory was lost. The authority was lost. It was the glory of God upon Adam that kept the world in check. Now listen carefully so you can get this whole picture this morning. It was the glory of God upon Adam that kept the world in check. See, it was the glory of God that caused every word that Adam spoke to be obeyed by the world. The glory of God is the weight of God behind every word spoken by Adam. Adam was not to work with his hands. Remember, when we get to the curse part, the earth was cursed, Adam was cursed, and then God said, you'll earn everything by the work and the sweat of your brow. That's secondary. That's the secondary program. That's not the primary program. The primary program, Adam was never to work with his hands. What was he supposed to do? He's supposed to work with his words. He was supposed to work with his words. The world had to obey Adam. Everything had to obey Adam because God's glory was behind every word that Adam spoke. Listen, God set up the laws of the kingdom so that everything responded to the voice of Adam. Adam was the governor of the world. Everything was kept in check by the words of Adam. Adam spoke, and all of God's weight was behind every word, his glory. Now we know that Adam lost the glory, and the world will no longer listen to him. So here's Adam trapped in a world that won't listen to him anymore. 
He's in a predicament. So now the world does not have a governor. The world doesn't have a governor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The world doesn't have a governor to command it what to do. Romans 8, 22. For, listen, here's the condition. For we know that this whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Why does it do that? Because it has no governor. The world lost its governor. God placed Adam on the earth as the governor of the earth to command it to do everything. This will help you understand some things that's taking place in the natural now, and people want to blame it on God. And here's, the, here's where the blame should go right here. So the world wouldn't listen to him. So the world does not have a governor to command it to do whatever it's supposed to do. So we know that the whole world now groans and is in travail and pain together. God had given Adam a lease with authority, not ownership. Here's the problem. We get these two words mixed up. We get ownership mixed up with authority. Authority and ownership. We have authority on earth, but God's the owner. Man has authority on the earth, or had. Adam had authority on earth. He didn't own the earth. He had the authority on the earth. God's the owner of the earth. And the lease is still in effect. Okay? So the, 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 he gave Adam an earth lease, not ownership. And we get, these, uh, we get these mixed up, ownership and, and authority. Now, the earth, without a governor, is reeling and rocking and no... No one to tell the wind what speed to blow at. Say, Adam was the governor. He could tell the wind what speed to blow at. And in a moment, I'm going to show you some examples in Jesus' ministries to give you a clue of these things, okay? Listen to this. No one to tell the wind what speed to blow at, or the rain where to fall, or the clouds, so that they, they're not being controlled anymore, so they cause damage or the waves to cease, or peace to be still. When Jesus came to the earth, what did he do? He spoke of authority, not of ownership. Plus, Jesus gave example of God's expectation of how the body of Christ should approach the things of the world. So we go to John's gospel, first, uh, the, John, the gospel of John, first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same thing was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made by him and without him, not anything made that was made. In, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is when the glory came back to the earth. Okay? So when Jesus showed up on the earth with the glory, he started to do something. He started to talk to things. See, Adam was talking to things, and he lost it, and he's gone. Nobody's been able to talk to things since then until Jesus shows up. So he said, 
Jesus shows up and he starts to talk to things. He's talked to fig trees, they die. He talks to fever, it leaves. He talks to eyes, they see. He talks to ears, they hear. He talks to limbs, they walk. He talks to corpse, they live. He talks to fish, they jump in nets. He talks. He uses words with glory behind it. Jesus is not working with his hands, but his words. God's original intent was for man to speak with the glory of God behind his words. That's God's original intent. That's how it was supposed to function, but it still can. So now Jesus came to the earth with the glory of God so that man can now see how to live up how to live upon the earth. Proverbs 18, 21, major, major understanding here. Listen, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you don't get anything this morning but this, get this. Everything that pertains to your life should be under control of death or life from you. You should be controlling every situation to die or to live. If you got a business deal coming up and you want it to be functional, you want it to be successful and function, command it to live. Yes. If you got things around you that's harming you and you know good and well that they shouldn't be there, command them to die. They have to obey you because the glory of God is behind your voice. Yes. But you have to say it. Yes. See, listen. Once you grasp this truth, there's a lot of things you've been praying about that you're, you've been faulty in. You wanted to pray about those things. You need to say something to them. Instead of praying to God about them, you need to be saying something to them yourself. Death and life are in the power of the words that you speak. Everywhere you go, it's either going to be life or death. You have the ability to command it. Everybody ought to be saying amen. Amen. (laughs) Want to go back to what Jesus did? He spoke to fig trees and they died. He spoke to fever and it left. What are you doing? He just gave you an example of what you can do. We've seen speaking to corpse and they live. That's a type of glory. I'm going to show you that in just a moment in another example in the scriptures. Okay. Everything in our lives should be held together to this standard we either give it the right to live or we give it a command to die. That's us. Because of the glory of God in our lives, a lot of what we pray about should be spoken to by us. So now let's go to Matthew, the eighth chapter, seventh verse, and see this in operation, okay? And Jesus said unto him, I didn't set this up because I was cutting some time off. Here's, we're talking about the centurion. Remember the centurion 
sent word for Jesus to come to his house and heal his servant. Right? Remember that one? Yes. And uh, Jesus conversed and he said, I'll come on over to your house and take care of this. And this man said, no, 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 that ain't the way this works. Listen to what he said. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He said, For I am a man of authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes. And I say to another one, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. But I, he said, but I've been watching you, Jesus, and I know how this works. All you got to do is speak the word. You don't have to come over here, just speak the word. You know what Jesus said about that, didn't you? He said, no greater faith have I seen in Israel. This guy wasn't even a, a Hebrew. He was a Gentile, Okay. So now let's look at another. So here, here we see this in operation. So let's look at another situation here found in John's Gospel, 11th chapter. Do you remember Lazarus dying? I'm sure you haven't been refreshed, refreshing yourself with the situation with Lazarus as of late. So let me kind of bring you up to speed here, okay? Um, Jesus was contacted my friends of Martha and Mary, and they said, you know, your friend, the one who you love, uh, is, is sick, and come and help him and heal him. And Jesus said something unusual that we just kind of misunderstand. We miss it. He's talking to his disciples, and he explains it to them. And he tells them, this is for the glory of God. This episode that's happening to Lazarus is for the glory of God. Let me tell you something. I'm going to stop right here and preach. Everything that happens in here is for the glory. Every miracle that's ever occurred has been for the glory of God. Every person that's been raised from the dead. It, it, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything. It was the glory of God in manifestation. And that's what Jesus was telling the disciples, that Martha and Mary and those that group there needed to see the glory of God in operation on a different level. See, they had seen the glory of God. Every time Jesus spoke, when he spoke to the fig tree and it died, that was the glory of God. When he spoke to fever and it left, that was the glory of God. When he spoke to eyes and they were but they had never seen this level of the glory of God. So Jesus held out, remember, four days to make sure of what was going to happen. Listen to this. And then said to Jews, or, or, I started out with verse 38 because when I was a child, this used to be my favorite verse in the Bible drills in the Baptist church. Jesus wept. Okay, so that's the verse 38. Uh, 35. So verse 36, 11, John, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself 
cometh to the cave, to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto the Lord, saith unto the Lord, By this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, um, Said I not unto you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Come on, folks. The glory of God is right here among us. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should have more knowledge of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord and are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God, changing from glory to glory. Every time something happens in this church, it's changing us from glory to glory. Are you listening to me? The future is filled with opportunities in this congregation from glory to glory to glory to glory. Those people at Lazarus' tomb needed to see a different manifestation of the glory of God. They had never seen that. They had never seen Jesus raise someone from the dead before. What have they seen? They've seen lepers healed. They've seen blind eyes open. They've seen all these things. But there was another, there was another change of glory for them to see. There's another change of glory for us to see. Amen. In this place, in your lives, it's the glory. It's the glory of God. Okay, uh, changing from glory to glory. Jesus has returned the glory of God to the earth and has given it to the body of Christ. Now, it's not given to the world. It's given to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is in a special position in the earth, if you understood it. Just a title, body of Christ. If you understand just the title, body of Christ, that has a special place in the scheme of God and his his whole world, the body of Christ. The physical body of Christ presently is in heaven. The spiritual body that God is preparing for Christ is us all over the earth. Those who have accepted Jesus' payment on the cross. They enter into the body of Christ, and it has a special significance, should have special significance to itself. It has great significance to God, and it has great significance to the end of the age. It has great significance to the uh, next event on the horizon, which is the catching away of this body 
out of the earth. Okay? Jesus has returned the, the glory to the church, uh, the earth, and has given it to the body of Christ. And it's time for the body of Christ to exercise that authority on the earth now and command it to live or command it to die. Command it to stop or command it to go. Command it to go up or command it to go down. See, all of this, all of this um, opportunity is in the hands of the believer. If you just understood this, God has given you authority to command up, down, sideways, whatever. You, you have the right. Listen, we don't clown around when the TV comes on and they run the crawl and they shut your program down and they tell you that there's a tornado in the area. You know what we do at our household? We take authority because we've been given authority. We take authority over the tornado. We tell the tornado that it has no right. It cannot destroy this building, our home, or the homes of the people assigned to this building. Every time. Now, what we're trying to do this morning, the Holy Ghost and myself, is trying to enlarge your ability to open the door for you to see into a new room, a new area of authority with desire to create, to give life, and to stop, to break the power of, to cause it to die. Sickness and disease, you ought to call it dead. All sickness and disease, you have a right, God-given right, with the glory behind it, to speak to it. You don't have to pray for God to heal you. Come on. You can speak to it and command it to die. It has no right in your body. But see, there's multiple ways that people want to go about this. There are a lot of folks who do not know they have no understanding of their authority. So there's options for them. But listen, once you receive the revelation, there's no option for you. You're either exercising it or you're slothful. And I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think there's a whole lot of blessings on slothfulness. Not only for your life, but for the realm that, you're, that you have authority in. See, you don't have any right to jump up here and take authority over China. You don't have enough faith to stop China. You couldn't. So you got to practice on your own back porch. When you can function freely, successfully on your own back porch, then you might go out in the yard. before you exercise it on your neighbor. You ought to get it functioning professionally in your household, in your life, before you move into the community. Amen. 
now let's close up with the big finish. The glory of God is here in this place. We've seen it many times. Every time there's a miracle, it is from the glory of God. Financially, come on. See, the glory of God works in the financial realm also. We know it because the anointing is here in that arena. Why? Because the glory of God is operating in the financial realm. In the physical realm with healing, the glory of God is here. Every time God intervenes, it's the glory of God in manifestation. The same glory that Adam lost and Jesus has given back. We're to, we're to travel in our lives from glory to glory to glory. The glory is here in us to support every word. Now you understand when I say this, it's scriptural words, not jibber-jabber. To support every word that comes out of our mouths. The glory of God is here. The unseen is functioning here. Don't be caught up with the seen. Surely you see things. We all see things, and they're real things that we see. But let's don't miss the unseen, which are more, have more authority. The unseen realm has more authority than the seen realm. And we have to start entering into that authority with our lives by what, by what we sit, say, by the words that come out of our mouth. There are a lot of things that are happening in your life that shouldn't happen. God's not going to stop it. I hate to tell you, but he is not. Because the authority has been given to you to stop it. And the glory is here to back what you say and cause it to cease. In the upcoming week, exercise this authority. Start exercising it more than you've ever exercised it in your life. And watch glory to glory to glory. 